Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Verse 17, and it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy. They sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up Uh, They went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. They, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. Let's pause for just a moment to pray. Lord, we thank you for the testimonies, the singing, the witnessing that we have experienced this night. For we know that it comes from hearts that desire to serve you. Nations have been made, and as a result of all of this, our hearts have been gladdened and our spirits lifted. For we recognize that we're all weak human beings, having common needs common problems, and needing you above all in our life. So be with us this evening and help us to receive from this service tonight some blessing that would be needed in each individual life. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Tonight we have another one of those very important stories Not a story in the sense that it was fiction, but a story in the sense that it was told that there might be a blessing received from people who heard the story. And it was about a man who was ill to the point that he was confined to bed, and he wanted to be healed, and he had some friends who brought him to Jesus expecting that Jesus would heal him, 
that they discovered when they got there that they couldn't even get close to the Lord because everybody was crowded around him. And so they did an extreme thing. They went up on the roof. They took off the tiling. It wouldn't have been roofs like we have today. And took them off. And with ropes, they let the man down right into the room where Jesus was, bed and all, into his presence. Jesus saw this taking place and recognized the faith Julie, that you were talking about, that caused him to respond to the request of the people who did the bringing of the sick man. I think we can assume, without any question, that the sick man had faith in that he wanted to be brought and believed that if he could get to the presence of Christ, that Christ could, in fact, heal him. But I want us to think more this evening upon the faith of the people who brought him. And then we'll turn our attention to what Jesus said to the man. Here we find Jesus in a house. A house probably of a Pharisee. That is one of the members of the faithful, so to speak. One of the members of the church. And with him were several other Pharisees and some of the scribes and doctors of the law, people who studied the scriptures. They were all gathered and listening intently to what Jesus had to say and to his teaching. They were not concerned, nor did they care, that outside there were three men who had another man on a bed, and they wanted to get into where Jesus was in order that Jesus could deal with the man who had believed. Can you see a picture here? Of sometimes we are so selfish that we want to retain all of the blessing that God has to give to us and hoard it and really don't pay much attention to the fact that on the outskirts of our little crowd, there are people who are wanting what we have. That is access to Jesus Christ. And we won't let him in. Because we want to hold it all. We want to keep it to ourselves. Or we don't really perceive that there is someone in need. Over 35 years of being behind the pulpit, I've had plenty of opportunity to watch people in the congregation. And I've learned pretty well how to read actions and reactions, facial expressions of lots of people. I think, for the most part, you don't have to tell me that you're hurting, because I know it. You don't have to tell me you've been crying, because I know it. But I miss a lot of that. And I really don't know, because it's hidden well. And so there's lots of it that goes on that I'm not aware of. And there's lots of it that takes place that you're not aware of. And so we fail to perceive the real needs of people who are close to us. 
others don't know that they're hurting. I think we don't know more than we know. It really is, is a burden for me as a pastor to know that on Sundays, particularly, and other times as well, but most especially on Sundays as I preach, that I've got the responsibility of somehow being able to perceive and say something that will sink into the life of that person who has a need and is reaching out. And I don't know they're reaching out. And I've been really shocked when some of this congregation has come to me after the service or some other time during the week and comment that something that I said or read from the scripture or was said in prayer or some part of the service, the music or whatever, spoke to the very issue of their life. And I didn't know that there was that need had no intentions of planning a sermon that would speak to that particular need, but the Lord knew, and the Lord took all the various parts of things and put them together and just zeroed them in, maybe on your heart. Has that happened to you? Danny, in picking out the hymns and whoever prayed and my preaching and all the things that we did, we didn't know those things, but the Lord took all of the elements and just put them like in a gun and just shot them directly at your heart. And you just got shot full of holes. And out of it, a tremendous blessing developed. Many of you, some of you, here in this congregation tonight, came to church without ever intending to become a Christian. That was the farthest thing from your mind. Making a decision. And never intending to get up out of your seat and come down here and kneel at this altar as, as a Christian who has been wayward. No intentions of that. But somehow the Lord perceived you had a need. And zeroed in on you. And you responded. I know many of you who did that. The rest of us just don't. We didn't know. Who did you sit by this morning in this congregation that was hurting? You never knew it. What person did you shake hands with today who would love to have lingered a little longer and said to you with really out, without saying words but really said, hey, I need a friend. Talk to me. And you never knew it. And here are these religious people all gathered around the Lord so anxious to hear what he had to say. They're Minds intent upon what he was saying, watching him, and in the back of the crowd, there were three guys saying, move aside, move aside, we need him. And they responded, get out of the way. We're listening to the Lord. You stay back there. The people have gone out.
because we were elbowing them away. We wanted to absorb them all ourselves and not give them any. I think this sometimes happens to us. So people go home without ever having received what they came for. They were coming for a healing maybe of soul. They were coming for an uplift as well. They were coming because they needed to have contact with other Christian people. And most particularly, they needed to have contact with Jesus. And they never get it because we keep them away. This is our church. Don't you interfere with our playground. And that's what these men and women probably were doing on this particular occasion. But the three people who brought the man on the bed weren't so easily persuaded to go away. They began to talk amongst themselves, what could they do to get their friend to Jesus? Because he needed something. And so they went to extreme measures. They went up on the top of the roof and they tore the roof off. Put the towers aside and they left the building all right down. That distracted all the Pharisees and the scribes. And they began to look up to see what was happening up here. Jesus saw this, and he knew that this man had a need. I'll tell you something. We may not know about each other's needs, but there's one thing for absolutely certain, and that is that Jesus Christ already knows what our need is, even before we begin to try to approach him. There's no way that we can keep from him what our needs are. The man was let down. Jesus did a strange thing. He didn't say to the man, you're healed. He said to the man, you're forgiven. What a strange response, forgiven. What did this man need? We might have asked his friends. They would have said to us, this man needs to be able to get up off his bed and go about his daily affairs to walk again, to be healed. And Jesus would have said, this man does not need to be healed. This man needs to be forgiven. As Jesus would have said about Lazarus, this man does not need to be healed. This man needs to be made alive. Our perception as to what our needs are sometimes are wrong, and Jesus perceives our real need. What we need is forgiveness. You know why we need forgiveness? Because we're guilty. We're guilty. When we're guilty, the one thing that is utmost on our mind is to find somebody that will say, it's all right, I forgive you. 
I suppose the hardest words in all the world to say is, I'm sorry. And many people will say Let me tell you, if you're not willing to say, I'm sorry, you'll never be saved. If you're not willing to say, I'm sorry, you can't be forgiven. The Lord expects a response from his people. He knows that the thing we need more than anything else, saint and sinner alike, unsaved and saved, that is to receive from God his pardon, his forgiveness. If you're not a Christian, you will need more than anything else in your life to hear the words of the Lord say, you are forgiven. Your sins are washed away. I will remember them no more. If we're a Christian, we need the same words spoken. Not that we might be saved as a consequence, because we already are. Here comes the problem that most of us go astray from serving the Lord because we discover that we're guilty of sin and we're too proud to ask God to forgive us. We're too proud to stand before the church, like everybody's just got through doing, and confess something to this congregation. And it's important that that be done. It's important that we hear and that God hears our petition to seek forgiveness. Then once that petition has been made, it's important for us as Christian people to offer our forgiveness. And remember it no more, just like Jesus does. That's the one blessed thing that, that stands out, certainly in tonight's scripture, about everything else, and that is that the Lord Jesus is ready and willing to forgive us when we seek his forgiveness. But let me tell you, most times we want to sweep it under the rug. We want to hide it. We want to pretend like it never happened and go on as if life were uh, the same from back to now to the future and ignore that which we did yesterday because tomorrow we will have forgotten about it and hope that God forgets, but God does not forget. And when that goes on our record, it will stay there and we will be guilty of that sin until we have sought forgiveness. Genuinely ask the Lord to forgive us of what we've done that was wrong. Guilt is a terrible thing to carry. And if this is a normal congregation, there are several of us who are carrying around a burden of guilt over something that we have done or said or perhaps
have thought. That burden of guilt is doing two or three things. Two things particularly that I want to mention. That is that burden of guilt is keeping us away from a good relationship with God. Because we're not willing to seek his forgiveness. I'm not saying that we simply ought to go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me of any sins that I might have committed. That type of prayer is saying, Lord, I can't really think of anything that I might have done, but on the outside chance that I did something, please forgive me. That's nonsense. We need to come specifically to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for that lie I told and made it. Forgive me for that thought that went through my mind and name it. Forgive me for that word that I spoke against my neighbor and my friend and name it. That's seeking forgiveness. Don't look at all in one term and say, Lord, forgive me my sins, amen. He wants some name. Because in naming them, it does two things. It points out that we recognize what we did was wrong, and we are specifically, secondly, specifically seeking forgiveness for that specific sin. I think if we're going to lump them all together in a general uh, prayer, Lord, forgive me my sins, amen, we're going to discover on the day of judgment that we did not genuinely seek forgiveness, and therefore the Lord did not forgive, and our record is still stained with those sins. The other thing that it does, besides uh, guilt keeping us from a proper relationship to our Lord, is that it, it keeps us from being the kind of a good, sweet, gentle person that we ought to be. Many people are bitter because they're guilty. They go together. Many are belligerent against their neighbor and friend because they're guilty and they do not want to assume the guilt and want to take it out on somebody else. How many times have we all taken out our frustrations on some other person? particularly the members of our own family. It wasn't their fault. It was our fault. We were carrying a burden, and we're trying to shift the responsibility for our burden to them. And they can't carry it for us. And so we come out bitter, belligerent, hateful, despiteful, ugly, and wonder why nobody likes us anymore. God has a terrible time liking us. Because we're carrying around guilt, we will not seek forgiveness for it. Guilt will destroy our happiness, it will destroy our well-being, it will indeed make us ill. We are guilty, we are guilty. And we try to hide that guilt from society and from the church, and we don't seek forgiveness because we think nobody will know and it all will go away. But it doesn't go away. Jesus said to the man when he was let down, 
friend, your sins are forgiven. He said sins, plural. This was not just the condition of his birth that he was talking about. We were all sinners. We were born in sin. But he was talking about the specific sins that the man had committed. And I am suspicious, although it's not told us in this story, that this man was on his bed because of the sins he had committed. Our sins will cause us physical illness. I do not subscribe at all to this thing that's going on in our generation that we're just uh, living different lifestyles. I tell you, homosexuality is a sin, and as a result, people are dying by the thousands and will continue to do so until man is willing to straighten up his life and seek forgiveness of God and get his life straightened out. It's spelled out specifically in the scripture as a sin. The reaction of the people to the response that Jesus made to the man is startling. They say, well, who does he think he is anyway? I've had those words spoken of me a time or two. I probably don't have to go back too far to remember the last time that was said that I heard about it. But that was spoken of Jesus. He knows who he is. He's the Son of God. And he has come to save men from their sins, to forgive them when they seek forgiveness. Who does he think he is? There is no doubt about who he is. He's the Son of God. And he has the capability of forgiving sins. And he turned to the people and said uh, that he was saying forgive, that he would forgive this man his sins in order that they might know that the Son of God has the power to forgive sin on the earth. If you want your sins forgiven, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has the power to do so. Today. On the earth. Now. As much as he had the power to forgive this man his sins, He said to him, which do you think is easier, to forgive this man's sins or to tell him to take up his bed and walk? In the mind of God, that's just simple as the other. Man wants to complicate things. Man wants to deal with the physical and forget about the spiritual, and herein comes the problem why many people aren't saved. A lot of people want to say, I'm going to straighten up my life and I'm going to do better. Listen, that's fine, and we as Christian people need to straighten up our lives and do better. But for the, Christ, the, the non-Christian who makes that statement, he is whistling in the wind. A non-Christian cannot straighten up and do better and get to heaven. It takes a complete regeneration, a complete change, a complete turnaround. And that's why we use the word repent, because repent means to change one's mind, to go in the opposite direction. So the conclusion of the story is that Jesus can and will forgive sins. But it takes 
something on the part of the person who wants forgiven. It takes faith. This man and these people who brought him believed that Jesus could heal him. They got more than they bargained for. They just wanted him to walk again. Instead, they, he walked again and he got his sins forgiven, all in the same act. So the bottom line question comes to all of us, do we really want what Jesus has to offer? Or do we just talk about it because it sounds nice? Do we really want our sins forgiven? I think most of us, if we were honest, would probably say, no, I guess I really don't want my sins forgiven. Because I'm not willing to do what that would indicate. The parallel question is, do you want to be saved? And the response would have to be on the part of many people, no, I really do not want to be saved. Because to want to be saved would require a response. One is not willing to make that response. Well, let us assume that we all this evening genuinely want to be forgiven. How are we going to get it? You know, there is a requirement for securing God's forgiveness, and that is to be willing to forgive others. Scripture says, if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. We don't believe that. Somehow we believe that God is going to forgive us regardless of whether we, uh, whether we respond in like manner. Whether we treat our neighbor and our enemies, the people around us, with that same kind of response, or not. God's going to forgive simply because I ask. Don't you believe it? God's not going to forgive just because you ask. Unless, number one, you genuinely want forgiveness, and you get it by being willing to give in like kind. Hear that? The only way to get your sins forgiven is to respond to others in like manner. Without it, they stay on the record. If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. This is a night to seek forgiveness. If you need it, I'm sure we all do. Number one, if you're not a Christian, you can tonight have the entire record of your past life from this moment backward, all the sin wiped out by one request. If you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the 
Son of God and came into this world to die for sinners and die for you, and you will give your life, commit yourself to him, you can be saved. If you are a Christian and you need forgiveness from God, you can get it. But you're going to have to be willing to do the same to others who ask of you. Don't ask God to do something for you that you're not willing to do something for somebody else. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.